HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. The following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Kane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.kane5.com. Welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Michelle Michaels of Elephant Props and Elephant Ceramics, two different but very similar things. Elephant Props being a, a wonderful prop house in New York, supplies uh, stylists, photographers of all the wares from plates to tabletops, and Elephant Ceramics is your kind of subsidiary job. Uh, uh, as a ceramicist, supplying yourself with those same wares for stylists and photographers yet right, again. Right, yeah. But, I mean, this this started back in your rearing in Syracuse, New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were always a crafty person, tactile, liked making things. I loved making things. Um, yeah. From very early on, I was drawing, painting, um, crafting sewing, embroidering things, always coming up with ideas, things to sell. <laughs> <laughs> I know, an entrepreneur at a young yeah, age. very young what age. What kind of things would you sell and to whom? I think the earliest thing I can remember was painting stones, finding <laughs> stones, painting them in bright colors, probably with like poster paints, acrylic paints. Yeah. And going, um, I lived in an apartment complex and kind of going door to door and trying to sell them, you know, for a nickel or a dime yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I I found that fun. Yeah, yeah. And capitalizing on the whole pet rock era that had oh, happened. Oh, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe I did. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. funny that now you're 
in a sense, painting stone again. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> funny. I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah. But there definitely is an influence there. Yeah. And then in Syracuse, uh, you went to school, uh, eventually mm-hmm. going into an art school. Right. I went to uh, Philadelphia College of Art and um, studied textile design. And then from there, I moved to uh, Manhattan and studied fashion design at FIT and Parsons. Yeah. What exactly is textile design? Uh, well, it's surface design, uh, you know, coming up with patterns and, and designs for the surfaces, surface of fabrics and textiles. So I did a lot of printing, making mm-hmm. my own silk screens and printing. But then it's also the actual designing the textiles themselves, weaving. Yeah. So I did weaving on a very small scale. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, knowing how to produce these raw products is, I mean, inherent to somebody yeah. that eventually wants to be able to design these things, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I mean, growing up, what kind of housewares did you have? What kind of textiles in the house? Do you remember those things? Oh, oh, absolutely. My parents were antique dealers. So oh, cool. yeah. uh, they had mostly turn of the century, early 20th century, late 19th century pieces, a lot of Victorian um, a lot of linens, French linens, um, fine linens, uh, a lot with embroidery. Um, Nothing you were allowed to touch when you were little, huh? <laughs> um, actually, we did. We used them. Oh, yeah. We actually used them for maybe not day to day, but for Thanksgiving, yeah. Christmas, the holidays. So it was fun. Yeah. We could actually use all of that. My mother was very into decorating and also... My grandmother was a quilter, my great-grandmother was a quilter, my mother's a quilter, my aunts are quilters. So, yeah, textiles, fabrics has been a big part of my family's life. I know, I was going to say, life. woven into your family's yeah, fabric, yeah, yeah, yeah. literally. Yes, literally. So, and do you quilt? I don't. Yeah. I don't quilt. I don't know that it's, that I don't have the patience. It's such <laughs> a huge project. Um I think it's kind of covered by other people in yeah. my family. I've got some beautiful quilts from from my mother and my grandparent, my grandmother and my great grandmother. Um, no, but I do do um, I do hand dyeing of fabrics mm-hmm. and I do a lot of embroidery and hand stitching, and I do that for my prop house um, for the stylist. Um, you know, these are kind of things I do that I love to do and have a great interest in, and also that I just can't find in the market. Yeah. So then. Um, you know, I'll buy uh, new linens and old linens, hand dye them uh, while I'm up in Maine, and then bring them back to the prop house and do hand stitching. And it's just making, um, trying to kind of create uh, more interesting things for the stylist to use, more one of a kind yeah. that they can't find out in the market or at other prop houses to kind of give elephant props, you know, my prop house, um, you know, a more unique approach or. Um, you know, props yeah. for them to style with. I mean, you had seen a, a spectrum of prop houses throughout your career because you moved yeah. to New York, uh, went to FIT mm-hmm. for fashion. Right. And why that divergence from textile? Or do you, do you feel like those were well, the I same I, thing? Well, I thought I would, it was just one more layer. So I could use the textiles and also design the fashions. Yeah. But it didn't really work out that way yeah. because um, early on in New York, I was working at a little boutique in Soho, and one of my clients was a home design, home decorating editor at House and Garden Magazine, and she actually, when her assistant left to go work for an interior decorator, she asked me if I'd be interested in it, and um, 
And I took her up on her offer, I thought, because I always loved home furnishings, yeah. interior design, and looked at House and Garden magazine. So um, so I went in that direction, and I haven't looked back. Yeah. So. so it's cool. You surrounded yourself in this boutique by the things that you liked and cared about. And right. then eventually, in position or an offer was brought to you. Right, um, yeah. So yeah. One, one of those nice felicity moments. I know. It is nice when things work out that way. Yeah, and... Then going to, uh, what, what was it again, House and Garden Magazine. Yes. What were some of your first shoots? I, th- I think there was one with Horse P. Horse. You yes, that was my very first shoot. <laughs> that's and only that's slightly wi- intimidating. I know. Yeah. That was pretty wild. Um, and we were shooting Mark Hampton's house out in the Hamptons, in East Hampton. And um, I just remember that being a really lovely day. And I was asked to like go out in the garden, cut roses, and bring them into Horst, and he was actually arranging some vases filled with flowers and asked me to arrange some as well. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just thought, wow, this is, I like this. Yeah. I like this a lot. Yeah. And then I remember we had wine at lunch. He <laughs> drank wine at lunch. And, uh, yeah, so it was a really great start to yeah. my career. Yeah. yeah, and that was actually with uh, House and Garden magazine. That was with House and Garden. Um, but you eventually worked for... Uh, array of other magazines I did. too including Vogue and no no oh, I never no, worked never for Vogue, Vogue. Yeah. no never Vogue yeah. that would be nice yeah. um, well maybe we can get you the job okay yeah. <laughs> no I'm thinking I'm done yeah. with magazines but um, I went on to work for Red Book Magazine and Family Circle Magazine and I was the home design editor at Family Circle and those were those um, positions were a little different because you know, we weren't shooting high-end interiors like House and Garden. We were more or less um, designing and creating interiors and craft projects, do-it-yourself projects. So I would kind of go in, find locations, homes, and either remodel, but doing projects that were really accessible for people and like redecorate. And um, those were fun. Those were really hands-on and and a lot of fun and very creative. So kind of like the scale of things change from really large estates in the Hamptons to smaller DIY. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Moving back towards the city. Yes, right. Um, And then in that transitory period... um, when was the idea of opening a prep ha- a prop house? Well, I went freelance. I was a freelance yeah. stylist for a while, and um, that was great. I worked for a variety of magazines and did cookbooks and advertising, catalog work. Um, and about six, seven years into that, I decided that, you know, I kind of want a little change, a little challenge. I like challenge in my life, and... Uh, I thought opening a prop house would be the perfect kind of transition, um, knowing what's out there, what's available, um, what stylists are looking for, what you need that might not be available out there, the kind of service you might like to have that you're not getting at other prop houses. So so I opened a prop house with all that in mind. Yeah. And it actually is interesting, too, because it's kind of coming full circle to my childhood when my parents were antique dealers. And I spent my childhood going to flea markets, going to antique shows, doing antique shows with them, going to tag sales, um, collecting. You know, they got me interested in collecting so that I wouldn't complain about going (laughs) with them, you know. And here I found myself opening the space and needing to fill it and once again doing what I was doing in my childhood, which was, you know, collecting and and going to all these places and finding, you know, interesting objects and items. And 
sourcing things for the stylist to be able to use. So while working on photo shoots for, you know, mm-hmm. uh, numerous magazines, cookbooks, etc., what were things that you thought were missing in the market as far as textiles and tabletops? When, when was that, you know, epiphany moment where you're like, I can, you know, bring things into the market that just aren't there? Um, well, you know what? Almost every shoot you have, you go into it with something in mind. And then you're out there and you're looking for it. And you just don't always find what you have in mind. And I think that that's it. That's pretty much it. I mean, throughout your whole career, you're like, if only I could find, and then you don't. But you bring the best of what you can find, you know, to the table, to your shoot, um, and still create beautiful pictures. But um, I think it's an ongoing process. I don't think there was one moment where I said, oh, you know, I've got to do this because to, to bring this to other stylists. It's just kind of an ongoing thing. Like, you know, because for me also, prop... Finding uh, the props for elephant props is an ongoing process. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of what really keeps it fun and interesting. Yeah. Too. So, in procuring these items, you go to you know flea markets, tag mm-hmm. sales. What are some of the outer places you found these really amazing pieces? Oh gosh, uh, I hate to say some of them to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we find things on the street yeah. in New York, of course. I mean. Aren't all New Yorkers no, scavengers? Yeah, yeah, true. And you know, <laughs> dumpsters and well, like retrofitting, repurposing yeah. that idea. I mean, you yeah. can see, uh, you know, Jolie Lad, you know, that ugly beauty and right, things that are right. curbside. And then it's so much fun to see it being used in, yeah. in an international publication. Yeah. Um, but you know, of course, I buy things everywhere, <laughs> yeah. and you know, from the finest places too (laughs) but you know i mean uh, for instance in maine uh we hike in the woods quite a bit and there you know people used to um throw their garbage out and bury it in the woods (laughs) behind their house and um we've come across these amazing um piles of glass glass bottles Mm -hmm. and little glasses and so we've you know, we have a bunch of those in our house, and I have a few things at the prop house yeah. from that. I love that. Yeah, I can yeah. see you with uh, little headlamps and <laughs> shovels in the middle of the night digging through people's oh, no. backyards. We do it. No. <laughs> we do it in daylight. Okay. <laughs> so, in procuring, you obviously have to have space to put all these things. Right. Um, how big is the prop house? Our prop house is actually the smallest prop house in the city. Yeah. It's only about fourteen hundred square feet. And so that's why I keep it mainly for tabletop and food and still life. Mm -hmm. Um, So mostly smalls. Um, I do have a little bit of furniture, um, artwork, lighting, accessories, vases. uh, But mostly it's it's all the dinnerware and glassware and flatware and table linens and surfaces. Um, My husband makes all the surfaces. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So (laughs) we have a woodworking shop in the space as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's see, break down the types of tabletops because, you know, in my head I have marble, granite, wood. What, what other oh, things sure. do you have in the shop? Um, we have, it's mostly wood. Um, we have terrazzo. Um, we have tile. Um, we have zinc. Um, we have laminates. Um, and then mostly the woods are a variety of antique um antique tabletops that we use as surfaces, um, distressed woods to 
hand-painted woods. Um, we probably have more surfaces that are, are cleaner than distressed woods, yeah. more new than old. Yeah, what what exactly is distressed? What's the process to categorize that? Well, it's when you your paint or your surface is... Um, kind of old looking, it's peeling, it's, you know, discoloring, um, it's got a patina, um, which, you know, has a lot of interest yeah, in yeah. photography. Yeah. Yes. W- when did when did that become really prominent in image making, that reversion to, you know, like that rustic appeal? Um, I mean, I would say it started probably in the 80s, definitely, when country became very popular and then there was designers like Cloda who was really into industrial patinaed um uh, yeah so I'd say 80s it became really popular yeah. and it's you know it kind of goes comes goes up and goes down and you know um but I think there's always a place for it yeah, yeah. so it's, it's kind of cool to think that you've probably seen this uh you know progression of what's in vogue, what's in style, just simply by what tabletops are going in and out of shops. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. Well, what are kind of the hot pieces right now? What are, are a lot of photographers shooting on? Um, well, what are they shooting on? Um, I think mostly wood. Mm-hmm. I think wood uh, warm surfaces are still very popular and painted wood. Um. Yeah, and then in terms of also dishware, I think right now it's handmade. Yeah. Anything that's kind of one of a kind, handmade, there's, you know, something kind of soulful about the object. Um, I think that that's really popular with the stylists right now yeah. and photography and food. Yeah, so a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, you put your hands in a pile of clay. Yes, and there was no looking back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Why? I mean, what was what was the impetus for that? Well, um, again, I I have I went into a little shop in my neighborhood um, where they have a gallery, a ceramics gallery, and I went in there to buy for elephant props to. Um, and I there was a woman there who gave me a tour of the space. I had always thought this space was just a gallery with um, a few ceramicists working out of that space. Um, But what I learned that day was it actually is a, um, they teach classes there. I had no idea. And it's right around the corner from where I live. So the minute, almost the minute she said that, I, you know, as soon as I got home, I went online and signed up for classes the very next week. Yeah. Is that space still open? It is. Uh, what, yeah. What is it called? It's called Clayworks on Columbia yeah. Street. And um, so I started taking classes there and very quickly thought, oh, this, I can do this. I think I can really make some pieces for the stylist that they're going to like. You know, because it's also that thing again, all those things that I look for for the prop house that I can't find. So now I have this chance to kind of make something that's my vision that I think they would like to use that would be beautiful and really enhance their their uh, photography. So that's what I started doing. I started out really small because I was new to it. Yeah. And that's the best way to work when you don't know really what you're doing at so the beginning. It's, it's not like that movie Ghost where you just make this giant no. you know, <laughs> no. fruit bowl and things go flying. No, no. I don't even do the wheel. I can't. Yeah. I mean, I'm very... One day I will do the wheel, but I hand build everything. Yeah. And yeah. And so I started small. Now I work larger. But yeah. yes. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick break and come back and discuss uh, 
the influences of Seaside, Maine, how Vacation Land has actually been put into elephant ceramics. Right. Right. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. We'll be right back. Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Michelle Michaels of uh, Elephant Props and Elephant Uh, Ceramics mm -hmm. as well. Um, We were just discussing, you know, your start in clay, Mm -hmm. um, but you also have a lot of outside influences. Other than Brooklyn, you have uh, a space in Maine that kind of brings in a lot of the textures and patterns uh, and colors into your ceramics. That's right. Uh, we spend a lot of time in Maine. We have a home there in Midcoast. And um, I'm a nature girl. I love being outside. I love hiking. Um, we kayak. We're on the water a great deal. I love going to the ocean. We're a half hour from Reed State Park, which is like a national treasure. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world, I think. And those directly influence my color palette for my glazes. Um and if you're familiar with my work at all, you'll you'll notice that I use blues, yeah. a lot of blues, yeah. and a lot of green, and then I'd also do white. Um, and all those blues come from, you know, the ocean and the sky, and uh, the greens from the seaweed and the lichen that's growing on the tree and the moss, and which is all very prevalent in Maine. So, um, yeah, it's really nice to kind of use your surroundings as your inspiration. Yeah, I mean, just if you look at some of the kind of foliage and creatures of mm-hmm. Maine, you yeah. know, the, the scallop edges of scallops. And, yes. you know, uh, yeah. you mentioned to me uh, the Queen Anne's lace that you have yes. you know, on your country road. I mean... Right, just the delicate beauty of it. Yeah, well, and, it's almost yeah. crazy to think of concepting that 
you know, out of the blue. Mm. I mean, it's it, it's such yeah. a wonderful form already. Might, might as well try to oh, yeah. reproduce and right. uh, go from there. It's such a right. great starting point. Yeah, you can't beat nature. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> nature is the most beautiful thing out there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just to use it as inspiration is lovely. Yeah. So how do you get those colors? Uh, do you derive them from natural sources? Do you? Um, no. Um, at, at first, when I first started, I did use commercial glazes, and I still use a few. But um, in the last year, I've been doing my own glaze recipes, So, um, which is a... You know, everything about ceramics for me is a huge, huge learning process. Um, You know, I'm very new to it, and it's just, um, uh, it's really exciting to me that there's so much to learn, and I know that I'll just continue to learn. Um, And so the whole chemistry of glazing, oh my goodness, just (laughs) approaching that was very intimidating for me at first, but um, now that I've been working with all the ingredients and chemicals, um, I've, you know, feeling more comfortable and I'm really excited about um, other glaze uh, colors and textures that I'm going to come up with yeah. in the future. So, um, yes. What, what is actually the chemistry of glazing? I mean, obviously conflated into oh, this uh, please time frame. <laughs> please don't ask me the yeah, technical yeah. <laughs> aspects of it. But it is, uh, you know, creating something that's going to melt at a certain temperature. And so it's a certain combination of ingredients that are going to do that for you. And then it's a combination of ingredients that are going to add the color and the texture. Um, so that's kind of yeah. what so it is. So you have to have foresight. It's not something yes. that you can just put on be that that's going to be the color of the finished product. Um, no. And it's a real trial and error and real experiment. And it's just like done in increments, you know. Um, so it takes a lot of time. You know, I, I wish I had more time to devote to testing glazes that that would be that's a big goal of mine. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you were saying before, all your pieces are made by hand, but yes. also one of a kind. Right. Because um, the way I make them, uh, they are one of a kind. I don't use molds. I don't, you know, pour slip into molds, which would be making, you know, identical pieces since it, each piece is handmade. And for me, that keeps it interesting. And it keeps the, for me making them, and it keeps it interesting for the piece. I think. Yeah. And I think um, they all work really well together um, and they don't need to match. And the way you apply the glaze too is very delicate um, mm-hmm. and has this kind of painterly approach. Yeah. How, how do you actually... I love that. Yeah, um, get it on. Well, I mostly pour it on. Um, so it's, yeah, so I'm pouring the glaze on. Sometimes I'm layering it. And I also do brushing, too, where I just brush it on. Um, so it's a little less conventional than the dipping of glazes. That's mostly what is usually done. Yeah. But but other people do pour and brush as well. But I think it's just um, the way, yeah, I don't know if I'm that unique, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just the way I'm doing it. Well, they yeah. definitely look uh, yeah. very individual. Yes, um, yeah. And, you're trying now, actually, to build a studio up uh, in Maine. Yeah, um, we are in the process of building a barn. Um, we uh, needed to thin our woods behind our house, 
So we ended up cutting down a bunch of trees that um, needed to be thinned. And we used that, those trees to build a timber frame for our barn. And we hired this wonderful local guy who does hand hewing of um, timber frames. So he hand hewed wow. all, yeah. all the wood for us. And, um, and this summer we had a barn raising party and we <laughs> put our timber frame up and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I had to cook for 30 people and uh, make breakfast, lunch and <laughs> dinner. And uh, it was really a lot of fun. So now our barn is up, it's enclosed, um, the sidings and windows are in and up and um, in the spring, we'll finish it, and I'll get uh, a kiln and and uh, you know and uh, other items that I need. Yeah. Um, and then I'll yeah start working out of there. Up till now, I've been when I'm in Maine, I've been working out of uh, Watershed Center for the Ceramic Arts, which is about 15 minutes away from us, which is an amazing, amazing place that people from all over the world come to um, do workshops or give workshops in ceramics. Yeah. But right now you're actually throwing in Red Hook. Um, yes. In Red Hook, I have a studio, a small studio space that's in a communal studio. And um, I work out of there, which is great. Um, and actually do hand building, no throwing. So, yeah. 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 That's very cool. Um, so when you're up in Maine... Now that you have the frame of this barn up uh, and you have people over for dinner, um, Mm -hmm. not only what do you make, but do you serve it on your own ceramics? Well, um, for the barn raising party, I did. Yeah. Yes, I used my own pieces, but I mix it with new and old. I, I love new items. I love other ceramicists work. I love antique pieces, um, so I use a variety of things. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what other ceramics do you have in stock at the prep house? That you- oh, um, quite a few. Um, we have a lot of Heath. Yeah. Um, we have Christian Parachon, who is a Swiss ceramicist who works out of Tuscany. Um, Annie Caston, um, uh, Halo, um, who else do we have? Jan Burtz. Um, we have so many really beautiful pieces. Yeah, yeah. So it must be uh, hard sometimes to choose what to serve something on. Right. But, I mean, when you have a ceramicist uh, like Christian who's Tuscan, do you yeah. feel like you have to put Tuscan dishes on there? Um, it's kind of like, you know, when when you have your ceramics, do you feel like it has to be some kind of, you know, New England seafood fair being plated on them? Oh, no, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah. No. <laughs> so it's yeah. almost contextualized as color and shape and texture. It's more about and, shape and color. Yeah. yeah. And presentation, what's going to work best for what you're serving. And yes. Yeah. So yeah. what have been some of the more beautiful dishes you've seen on your uh, ceramics? Oh, do you mean in context of what, what I've served or what, what served I've or seen? Even in, in magazines, but, too. Oh, yeah. magazines. Oh, I've, I've seen a lot of beautiful things. Food and wine. Um, I know you had Jessica Rahm yeah. on here, and she's lovely. Um, she did a story that was in the September issue about um, local foods, vegetables. It was mostly a, um, a farm produce story yeah. um, or local story, and she asked me to create a piece for that story so I created a platter and they served actually sardines with the vegetable I can't remember what the vegetable was but it was a really beautiful yeah. shot yeah. yes so every once in a while stylists uh, ask you almost to, uh, you know 
well make a piece for well she shoot. she's an editor yeah. at food and wine magazine yeah. <laughs> so i yes <laughs> when she asked me i was like yes i'd yeah. be thrilled to um other stylists you know stylists who work for a variety of magazines might um yeah suggest like oh gosh i would love it if you know there was something this size or that color but that doesn't happen very often yeah, they yeah. kind of work you know you have a lot to offer them at the prop house and their other prop houses as well and they and and then they also have stores to pull from as well and borrow from and rent from so you know that you know there's a lot for them to choose from yeah yeah awesome um it's amazing that you have so many facets, you know, from the prep house to ceramics. Is there some other extension out of those two things that you're hoping to do? Are there other wares that you're hoping to make? Oh, that's really interesting. Yes, yeah. there are. Um, I really want to get back to textiles. Yeah. And um, I would love to do weaving and design um, table linens. Um, it's funny, my husband, who's addicted to Craigslist, found in <laughs> <laughs> Maine a, an old barn... Uh, is the called a barn loom because it's made from like heavy timber frames yeah that this woman has for sale up in um like uh, near acadia national park uh for a couple hundred dollars and he's been trying to talk me into <laughs> like we really should get this we can put it in the big room that we throw all our junk in that'll be perfect <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm very very tempted but it's another project i'm not sure i'm ready yet but yeah. um but that is what i'd like to do i'd like to from this, um, also be able to, at some point, do table linens as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all things for the tabletop. Yes, I love the tabletop. Yeah, top. yeah. And what's on your tabletop right now? I mean, what what's the surface? What are the plates? What, um, what is the accoutrement? Well, let's see. In uh, Maine, uh, we have a pine table. That my husband built both of our dining tables. And that's a pine table. The base of it's um, pale blue. And it's very kind of Swedish country looking. Um, and I do have a lot of my pieces and antique pieces. I love Mary Mecco too. Yeah. A great <laughs> deal. I'm a real huge fan of Mary Mecco. So, and I love pattern. And I like bright colors. Um, and then in Brooklyn, we have uh, an old, um, the wood is old. It was taken out of um, those, there's some pre Civil War warehouses down in Dumbo on Water Street that um, my husband found this old wood and he made a table for us. So it's more of a darker patina wood. And um, I, yeah, I use my pieces and um, a variety of new and old pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, you're an antiquarian in the sense that you like drawing from old to make a new. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any cool new uh, like materials that tabletops are being made from you know because obviously there was that big bamboo craze oh yeah in the last decade yeah are there new things are there you know not necessarily synthetics or uh, um you know well uh you know i can't think of anything offhand yeah that's actually kind of nice to hear that answer yeah you know it's it's stuck to things that have worked for years because they they work yeah yeah you know, it's funny when shooting, uh, I've been using a lot of wood lately mm-hmm. and realizing the differences between stained and painted and reflective and oh, absorbent, sure. uh, yeah. you know, lights. And yeah. so th- there's such a realm of things to work in yes. that's already there. Right. That it's almost yeah. Not I don't worth think exploring. we need to yeah. invent something new. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, everyone should check out Elephant Props. Uh, Thank you. To see, you know, 
the amassed amount of things that you must have there. Yes. Um, elephant ceramics too, which I've seen in plenty of magazines and I think are beautiful, you know, individual, thank individualistic you. pieces. Thank you, Michael. Um, but yeah, thank you for you know, oh, coming to the show so much. This and was fun. Excited to uh, maybe meet you in Maine someday. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. I'd love that. Excellent. We'll go to Five Islands Lobster House, okay? I'm already, I'm already there. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Excellent. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on HeritageRadioNetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. <laughs>